Episode 772. Speculation has been fueled by ESPN whether Julius Pepper's time in Green Bay has come to an end. Will he retire or will he continue to play? We'll ask Zach Bellman of PackersTalk.com. It's all coming up on Railbird Central next. Good morning, Green Bay Packers fans, and welcome to Railbird Central at Cheesehead TV, the longest tenured Packers podcast on the internet. I'm your host, Brian Carivu, and we're discussing Julius Peppers, among other topics, on today's show. To do that, we have a guest joining us on the line. Baltar, find me another expert, one that likes me this time, okay? We have Zach Bellman of PackersTalk.com. Mr. Bellman, how are you today? Good morning, Brian. I'm doing great. How about yourself? Very good. Glad you could join us on the show. Zach, we kind of have a uh, Julius Peppers theme for today's episode a little bit. Um, Although nothing is official, a recent article published by ESPN suggested Julius Peppers quote, appears to be done in Green Bay, Uh, that according to Rob Domovsky. If you're the Packers general manager, Zach, are you interested in potentially seeing Packers, uh, Packers, Peppers return? Yeah, you know, I read that article by Domovsky, and, you know, it kind of came off as an offhanded remark, you know, at the end of it, but I don't really think that's a hot take by uh, Domovsky there. I mean, he's 37 years old and uh, he's, you know, at the end of his uh, three-year deal with Green Bay. And if I'm, a, if I'm the Packers general manager, I don't really see him as a priority. I mean, at the outside linebacker position alone, you have uh, Nick Perry and Dayton Jones up for new deals. And uh, also as other, uh, you know, linebacker depth, uh, you have Jordan Tripp, J. Ron Elliott, and Joe Thomas, who, uh, you know, won't command significant deals but are also uh, guys that are looking for for new deals and I think you know elsewhere in the uh, free agent um, list for the Packers you have Jared Cook and TJ Lang who um, you know are also going to be up for significant deals and I think you could get more bang for your buck paying for either of those guys uh, than what uh, you know to pay them uh, to keep them around uh, rather than uh, pay for a guy like Peppers who according to uh, Bob McGann of the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel uh, played only 58.3% of his uh, defensive snaps on um, uh, in 2016, so which I think is a um, you know career low for him. And uh, I think the greatest asset for any player is availability. And uh, when you start to look at Pepper's availability and uh, the numbers, although the sack totals have stayed pretty consistent, he had seven seven and a half in 2016. The tackle totals are down to 23, which is a career low for him. So. Uh, you know, in addition to the numbers, there's the veteran leadership that you can't exactly quantify. But I, I think overall, overall, I think the the bang for the buck isn't really there. And I think uh, Ted Thompson, it wouldn't surprise me if uh, he doesn't even extend a, a call out in uh, in Julius Pepper's direction. OK, so we've looked at it from the Packers perspective. Now put yourself in Julius Pepper's shoes do you still want to play? Or in other words, do you think there's still gas left in the tank for Julius Peppers? 
Well, I think if I'm Julius Peppers, I'm playing for, you know, I think one of the three cliche things that you think of for an athlete. I think uh, the, the individual records, the Super Bowls, and the, the money. I mean, he's clearly made his millions uh, in, in the league over, over a 15-year career, and um, he's sitting at fifth on the all-time sack list with 143.5. I took a look at that list, and uh, he's seven behind Chris Dolman, which is about you know another solid year away from uh, from him for taking fourth outright, and then he's sixteen and a half behind Kevin Green for third, and I think that's a two to three year venture if he wanted to get third outright on the list. So, um, I mean, if you're if you're sitting there, and if I'm Julius Peppers, I'm thinking, you know, all I'm chasing is this ring at this point because I'm not going to get too much higher on the sack list because, you know, at 143.5, he's not going to get to 200 at this stage in his career unless he plays like five to eight more years. <laughs> but, um, I, I mean, he's a Hall of Famer. Everyone else, you know, on that list that I just mentioned is uh, is a Hall of Famer. So so he's going to get to the Hall of Fame. The only thing he's looking for is to pad that that Hall of Fame resume with a, you know, with a Super Bowl opportunity. And if I'm him, I'm thinking, yeah, you know, I've, I've had at least seven sacks the last three seasons. I think I still got something left in the tank, but um, I think I have to be real about the fact that, you know, teams are probably not going to want to pay me, you know, the eight and a half million that I, that I got about, you know, for the last three years in green Bay at 37. So I'm thinking if I'm Julius, I'm thinking, you know, probably looking at a, at a two year deal, um, you know, and trying to trying to maybe take a little bit of a pay cut in order to be on a team that has like a top five chance at getting getting to next year's Super Bowl. I think, you know, you've seen kind of the template for this in the last couple of years with like Dwight Freeney going to the Falcons and uh, Chris Long going to the Patriots this past year. I think teams are willing to pay, you know, a, a respectable, uh, you know, salary for a, for for bringing on a veteran pass rusher who can, um, you know, help put some pressure on the quarterback. Very well put in terms of the perspective uh, of the individualistic goals and aspirations of Julius Peppers. I never thought of it in that context before. Uh, But Zach, whether or not you or I or anybody thinks Peppers will return or not, let's, let's just for this exercise, assume he wants to play what type of money do you think he would command at, you know, in age 38 years uh, in the NFL? I, I think he hits that in the middle of the season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, well, he's coming off that three year, $26 million deal that I alluded to earlier, which I think he did earn to a respectable degree. Um, but I think free agency for smart front offices like the Packers means paying for what a player can do versus what he has done. And you could say, Peppers is, or you could pay Peppers a heck of a lot for what he has done, but what he is right now, he's 37 years old, playing just over 50% of of the defensive snaps, and I think honestly, the market for him is at best a backloaded two-year deal, you know, similar to what we saw in the three-year deal where he had a a low base salary for that first year in case they uh, things didn't work out in the Packers deal. Um, a backloaded two-year deal of maybe at most 12 to $15 million, I think that's being generous. Um, I think it has to be incentive-laden. Um, he's far from a sure thing at his age, and I think you know, based on some of his comments throughout the season, he sounded a little iffy on 
on, uh, you know, how long he wants to play yet. I think teams are going to look at that and, and, you know, be a little wary of that. And I think he, he has to, like I said, be willing to take less to be on a Super Bowl contending team. Cause I think if he's being honest with himself, I think that's, you know, his major motivating factor at this stage of his career. We're talking to Zach Bellman of PackersTalk.com here at Railbird Central on a Monday morning. Uh, Zach, switching gears here, as regional combines have taken place the past two weekends and the big national com- combine coming up here, what do you think are the biggest needs on the Packers roster as they enter the off season? Well, clearly, I mean, the front end of the secondary took a rash of injuries in 2016, and now Sam Shields uh, was released as well. Um, you know, it's been a while since Green Bay has had a number one corner. I think, you know, Demarius Randall and Quentin Rollins haven't quite come along the way, uh, you know, fans and, and uh, the front office have anticipated. And with Darius Gunter proved he's not capable of handling most number one receivers in this league. He had one good game against Julio Jones, but we all remember the, the second time around in the playoffs when uh, when he, he pretty much torched the Packers secondary, no matter who they put on him. But uh I think a major influx of talent is needed for that position. Um, I think in not too dis, not too distant second on that list would be uh, in the at the linebacker position. You know, I spoke earlier the pending losses at that position, whether that be Nick Perry or Dayton Jones. Um, if one or both of those guys isn't re-signed, I think regardless, I think a coverage uh, inside linebacker and more pass rushing depth on the outside are also major points of emphasis. Um, and I think, you know, the offense looks pretty good heading into 2017. I think if Jair Cook uh, is re-signed, uh, that would be, you know, a, a good um, make sure that, you know, Rodgers has a good um, depth of weapons. Um, I think the offensive line and running back in the middle rounds could be addressed, you know, get some get some depth at running back and make sure that, uh, you know, like you spoke last week on the on the podcast about with your, with your guest uh, about um, – you know, picking up some depth and guys that can do a couple of things well, um, you know, for them, I think that would be a good way to round out the roster. But like I said, I think the defensive secondary um, at the cornerback position and uh, linebacker would probably be the two biggest needs for the Packers roster. All right. So we know it's early and I can't blame you if you change your mind down the road, but if you <laughs> had to make a prediction on who the Packers first round draft pick will be, who would it be and why? And obviously, you know, this is pre-combine talk. Sure, sure. And, I'm yeah, I'm just going to be spitballing here. But I think, you know, by and large, I think we've seen Ted Thompson avoid the skill positions with his, uh, you know, recent first-round picks, um, you know, typically going for the offensive lineman. But what's interesting about this year's draft is it, it seems to be not the deepest uh, offensive line uh you know, for at least on the front end, mm-hmm. uh, it looks like there's about two to three first round caliber tackles on there and not many guards. Um, so I think, you know, Thompson looks into what should remain a relatively deep pool of linebackers uh, deep into the first round at a guy like uh, Takaris McKinley out of UCLA, uh, outside linebacker with a pass rushing specialty. I think if, uh, you know, a guy like Dayton Jones or Nick Perry isn't re-signed, I think he's a guy who could you know, fill that role and be another edge rusher to complement Clay Matthews. And uh, if if instead he wants to look at the inside linebacker position, um, you know, I think T.J. Watt, uh, he was 
prognosticated by uh, Daniel Jeremiah of NFL.com to be the Packers pick in a mock draft. I think he released last week and uh, I wrote a piece for him on Packers talk where I talked about uh, his draft prospects. I think he's more of an inside linebacker than an outside backer. I think he lacks a little bit of the explosiveness uh, required of a, of an edge rusher in the NFL, but I think he could contribute um, in a Dom Caper system and definitely uh, be a valuable addition there as well. I think, you know, cornerback, um, you know, there is a decent amount of cornerback depth, but it, it uh, is a little bit questionable about, about what will be available for the Packers at 29. Um, but I think, you know, the best player available lines up with a need at linebacker. And I think, you know, Thompson will pull the trigger on uh, Tackers McKinley out of UCLA or TJ Watt at the end of the first round. That's interesting. I, I, I respectfully disagree with the TJ Watt as an inside linebacker thing, but I respect your opinion. I've I've heard that from very few places, but it does kind of remind me of last year. A lot of people with the fellow Badger Joe Schobert, a lot of people felt the same way. He played outside mm-hmm. linebacker in college. People felt he could play inside in the NFL. We'll see. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, but, Zach, uh, speaking of decisions made by Ted Thompson here, how much longer do you think he'll continue in the general manager role? role in Green Bay? Well, certainly, I mean, there were a lot of, there were a lot of rumblings about this, you know, towards the end of this season, there were a couple of guys like Elliot Wolf getting, you know, GM interviews at other teams. And I think, you know, in addition to Elliot Wolf, there's also, you know, vice president, Russ Ball, director of player personnel, Brian uh, Gettequist and, uh, and senior personnel executive Alonzo Highsmith. Those are all guys that are going to be getting interviews or, or drawing interest from other teams in the next year or two. Um, you know, I'll, I'll say this about Thompson. The man is absolutely a wild card. Um, he, you know, takes those very few appearances in the media, which I think is a testament to him and the kind of worker he is. Um, but, you know, as a result, he's kind of tough to get a read on for this type of thing, I think. Uh, but one of the key things to look at, I think, is, you know, Mark Murphy became team president after Thompson was already hired. So he hasn't hired his own GM yet and is not necessarily tied to Thompson. And I think with Thompson's contract uh, being up after the 2018 season, you know, I bet a few of those guys that I mentioned, like Elliot Wolf especially, uh, are going to be looking down the road and saying, you know what, if not now, you know, when will I get the chance to make that next career move? And I think, you know, here's a hot take for you. I think Elliot Wolf is taking a GM job after the 2018 season. Whether that's with the Packers remains to be seen, but I think he's taking that leap to GM. Uh, for somebody next season. Yeah, he uh, had many offers this past year, many chances between San Francisco and Indianapolis and turned them down. We'll see what happens there. Zach, before we let you go, anything uh, upcoming on the horizon at PackersTalk.com we can look forward to? Uh, just kind of getting settled there right now. Uh, so I, I would just say, you know, keep checking the site. Uh, follow me at Zach Bellman underscore WNY on Twitter. Uh for all the latest and uh you know we'll, we'll kind of see what materializes but thanks for having me on brian appreciate it sounds good thanks for joining us keep up the good work there at packers talk zach take care appreciate it bye zach bellman of packers joining us here at railbird central on a monday morning glad to have him joining us glad to have you the listener join us as we continue on with the show I'll tell you, Vince, in our Packers news segment, what's been going on with the Green Bay Packers. Jordy Nelson was in attendance for the University of Wisconsin's win over a ranked Maryland team in men's basketball on Sunday. Number 11, Wisconsin, beat number 23, Maryland, 71-60. to 
And after the game, Nelson addressed the Badgers in the locker room as the team shared on its social media account. So maybe there's not much to discuss from a football standpoint, but it was nice to see Nelson, the NFL's comeback player of the year, uh, out and about after his broken ribs supporting the state team. So good to see that. Uh, one of the few Packers-related pieces of news I got from over the weekend. Obviously not much going on in the offseason. But if I could give my own two cents here on the Julius Peppers topic, because that was kind of the the topic du jour at, at, the, at least the beginning of today's show before we got into other topics with Zach Bellman, but Julius Peppers is kind of a guy on everybody's mind right now just because, you know, like I said, speculation was fueled by an article at ESPN, and people don't really know if he's going to retire or not. Julius Peppers kind of left everyone in limbo at the end of the season and kind of the final interviews he did after the Packers lost in the NFC Championship game, whether he would be back or not really didn't commit one way or the other. And you understand, you want to at least take a little bit of time and think things through, and that's understandable for anybody in any line of work, let alone a professional football player. If I had to guess what's going to happen, I, I think the Packers are going to pass on signing Julius Peppers initially but maybe leave the door open if something happens. Uh, Because first of all, they probably, of course, don't want to pay top dollar for a guy whose age is getting up there, whose skills are probably at least slightly in decline, Uh, a guy who's not going to be on the field, but, you know, uh, hovering around 50%, maybe a little more like he did this past year, but he's not going to be a three-down player for you anymore. So they don't want to pay him top dollar. Maybe they wouldn't close the door because all of a sudden, you know, after the first wave of free agency and all the big money goes, maybe Julius Peppers would come back on a lesser contract. And you you don't want to tie up a lot of money into that because you want to sink money into other younger players, you know, better investments on the team, perhaps long-term investments. Um, or maybe down the road, uh, an injury pops up and, and, you know, Julius Peppers could be re-signed. So I, I guess that's the way I think the Packers are going to approach it is they at least, you know, if Julius Peppers wants to move on, he wants to play somewhere. I think they would probably let him do that somewhere else if he wants to, if if he's very serious and he wants to play and play as much as he can, he might be looking for a contract somewhere around $5 million a year. And the Packers, I think, would, would let him, uh, you know, go see what else is out there uh, and not sign him right away. But, it, you know, maybe they wouldn't close the door on him. They'll just see what happens. Uh, that's the way I think the Packers are going to approach it. If I had to guess, I could certainly be wrong. There's many different directions this thing could go. He could retire. He could come back with the Packers. He could sign with another team. He could kind of wait until wait and wait and wait till you know the free agency is generally over and the draft is over, and then sign somewhere. A lot of different ways this could play out, but that's the way I think it's going to play out. The most likely scenario. We shall see. It'll be interesting because a lot of speculation here the past few days, and who knows, maybe we'll get an official decision here pretty soon. If Julius retires, uh, could be the end, and we say farewell 
uh, could be another topic for a, a show in the very near future for all I know. But all right here, um, as I've kind of done the past several episodes here, uh, without a lot of Packers news lately, uh, I've solicited questions on Twitter and I've gotten a few here that I wanted to take some time to address. Um, question from Ryan Boyd on Twitter. That's username RMBoyd86. He asks, what are your thoughts on cramming all the bye weeks into a three-week span, say weeks 8 through 10, to even things out for all 32 teams? And Ryan, I think you're spot on from the aspect that, yeah, that would really even things up. Uh, It would come in the middle of the season where teams could really use the bye week the most and it would make things pretty fair and that it would all they would all kind of be at the same time and there's no team really with a early buy or the late buy and they're just kind of all you know right right in the middle of the season there uh but i think you're you're all it, it's it's too perfect. It's too perfect of a situation. <laughs> Unfortunately, we live in an imperfect world, and the NFL and their television partners won't stand for that. Uh, they're not going to go with it. The biggest reason is television, because if you had all 32 teams with their bye weeks in a three-week span, that's basically 10 teams off per week. Okay. And with the television contracts, the team has that's taking, okay. 10 teams off per week. Uh, and one week would be 12 teams. Uh, that, that would be five games a week or six that is out of the equation. So you're basically eliminating a lot of the inventory for the NFL uh, during those three weeks. Uh, and, you know, uh, obviously you've got to fill all the nationally televised primetime games, the, the Thursday game, uh, the Sunday night game, the Monday game. Those aren't going anywhere. you got to fill those up. But then all the, the Sunday afternoon games, the early kick and the late kick, you're, you're only having a handful of games there uh, and, and just barely covering with – with maybe one game on Fox and, and CBS on each network there at each time slot, they need inventory to sell advertising and all those kind of things, and you're not getting it during those three weeks. So unfortunately, I don't think anything's going to change in, in that re- respect. It, it's unfortunate, you know, like the when the Packers had the early buy this past season and you know, it comes such, uh, you know, in, in the beginning of the year, then, you know, you, you feel like, well, they get worn down, uh, down the stretch and, you, you know, they could really use the buy and maybe you get it when they play a Thursday night and they kind of get the so-called mini buy later in the year. Uh, certainly no guarantee that's going to happen. So it's very interesting in that regard, uh, when that happens, uh, thankfully for the, the teams that does happen to, it only happens to them once every, what, four or five seasons. Most of the time they're kind of a, a little more reasonable, you know, for happen from week six onward or something like that. And what's the, 
the latest of bye week happens. I don't even know week 10, week 11, something like that. The latest they actually happen in the year. So they're a little bit more spread out. I just think things are going to stay status quo. It's a great suggestion. If we got the player's best interest in mind, that's the way it would be done. Unfortunately, money probably gets in the way. Question from Scott Sommerfeld on Twitter. That's username KMBDad. He asks, do you think Dom Capers could use Jabril Peppers from Michigan like he did Charles Woodson? Not saying that Peppers is like Woodson. Um, And Scott, uh, it's an interesting question because there's obviously so many parallels between the two players. They're both from the University of Michigan. They're both essentially defensive backs. Uh, they both were Heisman Trophy finalists. We know Charles Woodson won it all, and Peppers was at least at the Heisman Trophy ceremony, even if he didn't win it and got of a lot of attention. So there's there's lots of parallels there uh, between the two players, and uh, I can see how you can say that. Now, it, it all are, are can they be used like one another? And it it kind of depends. What stage in Charles Woodson's career are you talking about? Back when Charles Woodson was younger, he was a pure cornerback in in his early days. He could either play on the outside, the perimeter, or he could kick inside to the slot. But, you know, for the first decade plus of his career, he pretty much played those two positions almost exclusively. You know, a cornerback, whether slot or perimeter, it didn't matter, but he was a cornerback. And Jabril Peppers is definitely not like that. He is not a cornerback whatsoever. He is versatile. Uh, they have that in common as well. Um, but uh, Jabril Peppers is definitely more your safety slash linebacker kind of hybrid. Uh, I would say he's kind of like what Charles Woodson was late in his career with the Packers. Like that last year, they switched him to safety. He even played a linebacker role once in a while, similar to what the Packers did with Morgan Burnett this past season as well. So from that perspective, yes, Jabril Peppers could be uh, like Charles Woodson and used in that kind of way. In fact, I think Peppers would even kind of make that that be- the hybrid linebacker even better just because I think he's a little bit bigger. Obviously, he's younger at this stage of his career and, and probably a little bit more used to taking on runners and things like that than, than Woodson was maybe late in his career. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's there's... There's similarities and there's differences. They're they're not the same player. They they have they share some similar qualities. Uh, but yeah, interesting question here as we of course near the NFL draft and that's on people's minds and wondering if uh, Jabril Peppers could slide to the end of the first round and whether the Packers would would take him. Uh, maybe perhaps the depth at safety the Packers have could prevent them from taking a drill Jabril Peppers and that. You know, they've already got Ha Ha Clindix. They've already got Morgan Burnett. Um, and I'm not sure he's a true inside linebacker, Chabril Peppers would be. So it's an interesting question and one I haven't thought a lot about, a lot about before getting this question. Uh, maybe we'll, we'll stew on that a little bit more, especially 
after the combine takes place and we'll see how he tests out and all those kind of things. But yeah, interesting question there, the parallels between those two players. But next segment. The day ahead. All right. Very little here uh, on a Monday morning during the dead portion of the off season here. Um, on Monday, February 20th, today, uh, Packers will be sending alumni representatives Leroy Butler and Antonio Freeman will appear from 2 to 4 p.m. at Bob's Discount Furniture in Greenfield, uh, something they also did at other locations of new Bob's Discount Furnitures in the Milwaukee area over the weekend. They did this on both Saturday and Sunday as well. Now, one more happening in Greenfield, Wisconsin on Monday. Uh, details are at Packers.com. So if you live in the greater Milwaukee area uh, and you want to see some Packers legends uh, up close and personal, uh, go check it out. Uh, they're signing autographs. They're taking pictures. Uh, yeah, so 2 to 4 p.m., Bob's Discount Furniture in Greenfield. And that's as close as you're getting to things that we know are going to happen in about the next 24-hour period in the world of the Green Bay Packers. Uh, things happen all the time. Players get signed, uh, obviously, at this time of year before free agency signing. They're more under the radar future contracts kind of things. Those can happen out of nowhere. Players can get cut out of nowhere. Players can retire out of nowhere. The Bob's Discount Furniture, that's the only thing we know with the Packers is happening for sure. So whether or not something else news breaks here, uh, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, So uh, that'll do it for today's show uh, on Railbird Central. Thank you, everybody, so much for joining us here on a Monday morning. Thanks to Zach Bellman of PackersTalk.com for joining us here and talking some Packers football. Um, My call to action today's show is brought to you by Beer Rock, Madison's upcoming craft beer bar looking to open in the coming months, of which I am the prospective owner. Please give us a follow on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash Madison. That's spelled B-I-E-R-O-C-K. And Madison, like the city, uh, would greatly appreciate if you gave us a follow. Obviously, we're not open yet, but we're trying to get the word out before we open the doors so we got customers when we do open up. So thanks a lot, folks, for doing that. If you would, uh, I appreciate it, and that does it for today's episode. Thank you, everybody, so much for listening. On behalf of everybody at Cheesehead TV, I'm Brian Caribou. I leave you today with a song, folks, called Hard Living by Railroad Earth on Psy Fidelity Records. See everyone. Go, pack, go. Go, pack, go.